This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome um, to Talking Devils, your leading Manchester United independent uh, podcast. Uh, I'm Harry from uh, Fan Owned United, and uh, this is uh, One The Lot Pod, uh, episode eight. Um, this week again... Joined by our regulars, um, Steve, uh, lifelong United fan, and uh, had his season ticket at Old Trafford in the East End um, for over 25 years. Uh, and Peter is uh, also obviously a United fan, uh, lifelong, and also a football author based in London uh, and regular match goer. Um, so, yes, this week, obviously. Lots and lots to cover. The The season for us has come to an end uh, after a defeat on Saturday uh, against uh, City in the FA Cup final. Uh, I myself was there uh, behind the goal. Uh, made a cheeky appearance on the television as well. Uh, not a major close-up, but hey-ho. Uh, I think it was just after the Ganacho chance, after 70 minutes. And me and my mate look really concerned, which, I mean, at that point in time, what do you expect? Um, but anyway, uh, on to the actual, you know, analysis of it. Um, I mean, I have loads to, to talk about, um, positive, negatives, etc. And I'm sure all the guys do uh, as well. But um, I'll, I'll let one of you gents um, start off as to maybe a brief, brief Point before we get into the detail about what you thought of the final. Um, let's go with you, Peter. Uh, yeah, like, it's only one place to start, really, 13 seconds in. Uh, I think, yeah, that, like, it really, when that went in, you really felt like, oh, God, here we go again. It's going to be an absolute shellicking 4-5-0. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, not kind of, 10 seconds. Yeah. I was, I was like, here, here we go, it's kicking off again. But, um I think the game just kind of like showed us in a kind of in a snapshot in a way like it was again a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde performance like going one of them after 13 seconds is a terrible sign of a team but then we fought yeah. back well and then we lost the game on another like another terrible goal to concede so uh like you said like a lot of positives that came from it but also 
just like the nagging feeling of we really did just give them two goals. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the frustrating thing um, must have been, you know, Ten Hag must have hammered into the boys, look, don't concede early, you know, don't concede early. And uh, we conceded after 10 seconds. And my, my point on that, though, not defending the players, but it was kind of like they couldn't really do too much. Like, straight from the kickoff, ball comes in, you're finding your feet as to kind of where you want to be, like your central midfield players. Harlan gets the ball down, and it just perfectly, you know, sits up for Gundogan. And, there's, you know, there's just no time to react and close him down. The shot itself, I was behind the goal. I personally think it was going to go over when I when I initially saw it. Um, the way he connected was just, you know, he got a great, great kind of loop onto it. It was in the top corner. Again, De Gea, look, I'm the first one to call him out if he's, you know, makes a mistake. But I, I don't really think there was too much he could do about that, the first goal. Um, I think you just have to give it, give it to them that it was a great goal. But again, really frustrating, I guess, that it was after 10 seconds and, and must have changed the plan. Um, I mean, what do you think, Steve? Uh, what was your, uh, you know, initial thoughts after the game? Yeah, well, it was a horrendous start, wasn't it? Um, I actually disagree with you um, initially there, Harry, <laughs> with the, uh, with, about the Gaia. Um, not so much that I think he should have saved it, but I think he should have dived. Um, I think he was he wasn't on his toes. Um, and, yeah. and we can get to the second goal in a little bit because um, I'll start crying. That's a um, story, but, yeah, yeah um, I think initially, fair enough. Haaland beats Casemiro in the air, um, but the second ball is is pretty much unforgivable from Lindelof to not go and beat that uh, to go and beat De Bruyne in the air. If your centre back can't beat a, an attacking playmaker in the air, then there's something going on, and we've. We've been, you know, we've given rave reviews quite a lot in the in the back part of this season. But that that for me is, you know, in the first ten seconds of the game, if there's a 50-50 ball, yeah, centre back against their arguably best player, you got you've got to absolutely go through them. Not in yeah. a dangerous way, but you've got to show them that you're there. And you know, even in in grassroots football, it's first thing you say, show them you're there, get win the first 50-50. Um, it's it's schoolboy stuff, and yeah. won that header. And then, yeah, it was a great strike. We I, I watched the game with uh, I think it was about thirteen of us, and we were pretty much split on whether or not it was a world class strike or the keeper should have done better. And I I, I I tend to go it was a great strike, but the keeper wasn't on his toes. He didn't dive for it. He wasn't ready for for that situation to happen. Um, so. Yeah, there's a lot of ifs and buts and what what could have happened, but it's 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 two mistakes for me. Yeah, um, just following up on that, I fully agree with you, Steve. Like, I think De Gea, like not being on your feet in an FA Cup final against Manchester City, like the one team in the world that you cannot afford to start solely against or not be on it. And I wouldn't like that wouldn't have happened the other way around. There's no chance if we launched a ball long that we would just pick plucked out of the sky. Like you said, there was two errors that led to that goal. Like Lindelof, commanding header, like start the game like you mean to continue. And no one tracking Gundogan, who has been one of City's best players of late. It was just a real like issue with like mentality thing, being like that. No, like coach can't like do anything about that. It's 10 seconds. Like, surely just build into the game, you know, do something well at the start. Uh and yeah, it just 
it just wouldn't have happened the other way around. So I think it uh, it reflects her, it reflected awfully on us more than anything the city did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fair enough. It was just I just thought the way it felt to him, like it was just pretty difficult for anyone to get to him quite close or or quickly rather. Um, I mean, it's fair point about Lindelof. You know, maybe not winning that header and, and getting it clear. Um, De Gea uh, not saving it. I mean, he could have. He could have died. I just think he just, he, he, but he just wouldn't have got to it. It was just, it was just right in the top corner, you know. But the second goal was a, a different story. Um, but I mean, get getting into the detail. I mean, obviously, it showed there's a massive gulf um, between us and and City. Um, I guess it's a double-edged sword in that. Obviously, it's painful now. But whoever the new owners are, Ten Hag can come in and and say to them, look, this is the standard. If, if you want us to be able to compete um, on all fronts and give uh, City a run for them, their money over the next few years, this is the standard that we need to be at. And this is the kind of squad depth that we need and, and therefore invest. Um, I mean, looking at their formation, I, I don't know of any other team that plays the way they play. Um, they have one centre-back, pretty much, but playing three at the back with two wingers. They um, ended with six centre-backs on the pitch. Yeah. Um, two holding midfielders and Stones, who obviously is can play in, as a centre-back, um, but was holding midfield. Um, and then ahead of uh, him and Rodri, there's Bernardo, KDB, Gundogan, Grealish as a four, and then Haaland on top. But what I was so impressed by is they literally just play like total interchangeable football. And that second half reminded me of the Barcelona final at Wembley, which I also went to when they were just so far ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Like we couldn't even get close to the ball. Um, you know, and, and like I said, like when they would be defending, they would have the structure. And then going forward, you know, Akanji and Walker would go up to the wings and push forward. Stones would drop back, you know, and then just throughout, literally, they would, whenever they would go into different positions, someone else would cover them. And like I said, everything was so interchangeable that we just couldn't keep up. You can't man-mark that kind of formation. Um, and it is just so, so diff difficult to play against. And, and I'm sure you guys noticed as well, like when we had the ball, there was two, three, four, five players um, around us and we couldn't get out. I mean, there was one point where we were in our own uh, own half at the corner and there was Casemiro, Wambisaka and someone else with four or five players around us. We couldn't even get out from our own corner flag. And then as soon as they get the ball, um, they had acres of acres of um, kind of space. Uh, I'm sure you guys picked up on that as well. It was like they had 12 men. It was, yeah. it was honestly like they had 12 men. Um, they, it's a ridiculous formation. Um, obviously, no, as, you, as you mentioned, not really many people have, uh, have, have adopted that formation yet. You know, you might, you might see it coming up a little bit more after the success that they've had. But every, every single one of their players looks like they're a master in that position. Um, clearly, they've been working on it for, for a long time. Maybe 
even at the start of the season when they weren't playing that formation, maybe that's why they started a little bit more slowly because they were used to playing one formation um, versus what they actually played in the game. And yeah, I think they didn't even get out of third gear. I, I genuinely yeah. do think that. I think that it got a little bit boring at one point because um, even though how you know how good they are, it's not massively exciting and creative and individual. Um, there's there's no kind of flair with any of the city players, really, in my opinion. And I, I got a little bit of heat on this, um, a little bit of heat on on Twitter about this, saying saying that. And you know, I know they've got a lot of creative players, but it's it's robotic and it's meticulous and it's a it's a machine. Yeah. And, you know that they're, they're so good at what they do that it's it's almost like boring to watch. They're just so. I guess the best way to explain they're so in sync. Like yeah. they just know what's happening and where everyone else is when when they're with the ball. Um, shout out to uh, Jay. Uh, just put a question. Well, statement in. So Jay is actually uh, the guy I've got my season ticket with. Um, was with me, uh, obviously, at the game on uh, on Saturday. little funny story. Um, actually, yeah, I bought, bought a little prop for the pod today. Sure, you guys <laughs> would appreciate it. My little bucket hat. Looks <laughs> small, aren't you, mate? <laughs> mate, they're all, they, these are tiny. They're literally like kid-sized. Like the Glazers couldn't even invest. I don't even have a very big head. The Glazers couldn't even invest in a proper adult size adult size bucket hat um but anyways yeah so we got we just about got in time for kickoff because the trains were actually delayed um the tubes and um there was a lady in in front of us that had nicked his uh bucket hat and the guys behind they were like oh this and she was like you know fairly old lady like 60 years old and they were like oh she's nicked your bucket hat and um yeah, we basically had to fight an old lady to get a bucket hat back. So I hope you won, little, yeah. <laughs> so that's a little uh, funny story from the final. Um, but yeah, I guess anyway, like he said, yeah, second half it was boys, uh, boys against men. Um, Peter, what I'm sure you you thought the same, right? Yeah, it felt like before the game. You had that feeling of like, how on earth do you combat that midfield they have? Like, they move as one, they defend as one. They get, like, six, like you said, like six, seven men behind the ball and they don't have it. And when they do have it, it feels like they have an extra man the whole time. And that yeah. comes from, like, their, 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 their systems are so fluid. Like, like you were saying, like, you go three at the back, then it's, like, sometimes it's one at the back and you have, like, seven in midfield. So it is really hard to combat. And, uh, yeah, I think, like you're saying, Steve, like, I don't think City, if we'd equalise, City would be like, all right, we'll step it up now and we'll score. Uh, and the way they played, like, we didn't really even have anything on the counter. Like, there wasn't even an opportunity to counter them. They just always had men there. And, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. It was, uh, to be fair, like, that game, again, a snapshot of, like, that's 15 years in the making, Abu Dhabi, and seven years of, Gar- of uh, Guardiola. And it's the Glazers' ownership, kind of like end point, and Ten Hag's only a season in. Like, we're starting Fred, they're starting Bernardo Silva. Like, they're third midfielder. They're home with, like, Ericsson was completely overrun. Fred, Fred was just kind of fouling guys, and I, I thought he did all right, but like, it was kind of what you expected. And uh, I thought we did the best we kind of could with how the yeah. game went. Uh, like it was, I you expected to lose. It was like let's just not get embarrassed, like actually try and put up a fight. 
and where he wasn't helped by like some of the decision making like well, maybe, we've touched on a million times but De Gea is kicking during that game like, there was no method to any of it it was just I've never seen a person like you should the more time you have to think about what you're going to do you should make a better decision he just take the time and just launch it back to City he lost the ball 12 times and mm. Ortega on the other hand their sub keeper was walking around with the ball 90% pass um, percentage so even though we set up well, individual little things didn't help. Like Sancho and Rashford threw their hands up in the air. You're trying to do long ball with Rashford and Sancho against Akanji, Stones, Walker. Roger, yeah. yeah, like it made no... And you're kind of like, surely that isn't the director from Ten Hag. Like I don't want... I just didn't... It just didn't seem to make any sense. Um, so yeah, like that was obviously... We touched on the hair so many times, but it really did feel like that we can't go on. If we want to compete with City, you just can't have a yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, again, massively highlighted why we need a goalkeeper that can distribute the ball. Because regardless of how good your keeper is in terms of being a shot stopper, that game, you know, we literally, we had no distribution. Every time he kicked it up top, it either, you know, would miss everyone or it would go in you know, which I guess is kind of not his fault, but it would just like it was just easy heading practice for Stones. Like I can't remember us or Rashford like winning a header against Stones. They're all massive, every time. Aren't they? Yeah, they're all massive. I noticed yeah. it in one of the corners that they had, and it was just yeah. like they're they're all they're all just huge. You know, you've got yeah. a big team of six footers, and I think one of you mentioned it um, a, a couple of weeks ago that. Guardiola's, you know, style has always been the, the tiki taka and the technical, but but now it's been married up with power and and you know athleticism, and that's a bad combo to come up against. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, that was one thing. We were, he was just kicking it up, and we basically were just giving it straight back to them, um, which I guess kind of came from the fact that he has no confidence in. And really passing it around in the back, which I mean, fair enough. I, I really didn't want him to do that too much because we've conceded so many goals mm-hmm. from the short passes he's he's played in, um, which ultimately you know means that we we need a new goalkeeper who can distribute from the back because the the few times we did it, those were the times that we actually were able to get past. Uh, their midfield and you know create some kind of attacking play it came from the few occasions we you know he was able to play it out from the back and, and move from there um but yeah obviously it's something he's not comfortable with and I mean he's had the whole season to do it um so I don't think that's going to change uh anytime soon um Jay's firing all the uh <laughs> Questions there. He said the only time we had an outlet was when uh, Veghorst came on, held up the ball for Rashford and Ganacho, which I mean was fair enough. I I guess we can touch on that now from an attacking perspective. I mean, the the penalty was a a kind of godsend because we we didn't really test them much in the first half. Um, I personally would say the best chances we had was really just the Ganacho shot, which again I was behind the goal and I was, you know, 
100% certain that was going in. I still don't know from the angle I was at, like how that went wide. And those two headers at the end, which again, I mean, was it Varane and uh, Lindelof or McTominay? I mean, they were right under the bar. I mean, what, it looked like they were trying to loop it over the way they were heading it. Like, why were you just, you just needed to thump the blooming ball and get it in. But apart from those two chances, which came came after we made those um, uh, substitutions, we, we really didn't have much. Um, so, I mean, going forward, I mean, you know, what did you guys think of, of uh, you know, we were, the way we were set up? Because I guess he he kind of was holding out, right, to to just see what would happen later on in the game. I don't I don't think we were set up to to attack them from the outset. Um, what do you guys think? Um, personally, like I said before, I just don't think if we went gung ho at City, they would have just picked us off no problem, beating us four 0 uh, yeah. You had to play that game. You had to play the long game and try and eke out a win. Like it is a cup final at the end of the day. And I know when Veghorst came on, but if we started with Veghorst, City would have been laughing. They would have won it. He doesn't win balls in the air anyway. They would have just taken the ball off every single opportunity. And we would have had, we would have had a passenger in the game. And then another one after Ericsson. Yeah. Ericsson uh, really showed his legs and it really it, like on a pitch like Wembley, it's huge baking heat. It's mm. just Kind of shows it, yeah. You can't be Ericsson in general. I don't know since his injury just hasn't looked the same. Like, not even we all know he doesn't have pace, but doesn't look the same in that how he used to always be great in passing those little ball, you know, through balls into the box and picking up runners and cutting defenses apart with those kind of creative bits of play. And I don't know, I just haven't seen it since so. Hopefully, I don't know, uh, next season we can get someone in, which I guess we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, and, and he can improve. But we need, obviously, more in that department. Um, got another question from uh, Sumit. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Um, he said, in desperate need of a striker, showed on Saturday uh, that that was a case. If Kane goes to Madrid... Who are the other options? Um, we've obviously talked about it here in the last few weeks. Um, I mean, I would say Ossiman, myself, and and there's talk of you know this young, uh, the young Haaland, um, by the name of is Hoogland, if I Hoogland, yeah. correctly. Haaland, um, yeah. I mean, what do you think about that, Steve? Um, if Kane isn't available to us. Who who are we going for? Um, well, uh, who's to say? Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of waffle from a lot of journalists and a lot of rumours. And um, yeah, Kane. If Kane happens to go to Madrid, I don't think he will. I think he wants that Premier League goal scoring record. Um, so I think he'd uh, for, for me. You know, if, if I'm chasing a, a record in the Premier League, you, you hold out for a club in the Premier League. Um, so you know, I know we've been we've been linked with with Hoyland. I've never I've never seen him play, so who knows? I've seen some YouTube highlights, which makes everyone look like the next um, the next yeah. Ronaldo. And uh, he, yeah, he's he's looked all right. Um, forty million quid, forty five million quid looks looks fine. Mm. Um, other targets include Kolo Moani, who I think 
Bayern are after, and I think he's he's issued a come and get me plea to Real Madrid as well um, from Frankfurt, and I think that they're after about eighty million for him, so he might be a little bit more expensive. Um, he's twenty four as well, so maybe the age um, commands a, a, a higher price. Um, you've also got Gonzalo Ramos from Benfica. Yeah, uh, you've got Osimhen, as I say, too too much though. 100, 140 million, 150 million for yeah. him. He's, he's, yeah, he's young though, isn't he? And he is he is also top top quality. Yeah, of course. He's you know he scored a hell of a lot of goals. But Napoli bought him for eighty million, and I think if if Napoli are buying someone for twenty, they're going to ask for eighty for for that kind of player. And if they bought him for eighty, they're going to need a lot a lot of that money back. Um, yeah. You know, almost they're looking for double. So there's a, there's a lot of people. Um, Evan Ferguson would be a great shout, but he's just signed a new contract. Um, maybe one for a couple of years after we get rid of Kane, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but you know, for for me, I'd I'd be looking at, at this Hoyland. Um, I think any striker is going to be an upgrade, and then. Uh, I, I'd like to touch on this in, in a little bit, but you know, I think we can hold out for Kane potentially later on in the window after we've after we've made some sales. Yeah, yeah, I think because the thing is, then we, I guess, as a fan base, you have to kind of accept if we can't get an experienced out and out striker, we may have to still wait to to be competing for for the league anyway. Yeah. Um, because the way I see it is is kind of in two ways. If we are able to get Kane, Kane is is for next year and the year after, like to compete right now. He'll get you goals. Yeah. Um, you know, he's ready to go. You know, obviously English knows the Premier League inside out. Um, he commands a price because he'll do that, but that's only for the next two to three years. He's not he's not quick as it is and he's he's past thirty. Osimhen, you know, like you said, he's going to be super expensive, but he's quick, tall, scores all kind of goals. I personally don't think we'll be able to get him, but I would love to to see him at United. Um, this Hoyland obviously will be a risk, um, but again, maybe one for the future. And if we invest in him now, he could be the next, you know, whoever, Harlan, out and out, you know, goal scorer, striker. Um, but I mean, anything will be an improvement on what we've had this season, because if we're honest about it, we have only had one consistent striker throughout the whole season. And that was Marcus Rashford, or should I say one consistent goal scorer, mm-hmm. um, because we've had no support from Martial, Vegpors um, tried but, you know, didn't work out and there was no one else to support him. So any addition would be a, a strong um, addition. Um, slightly geeky. Well, yeah, slightly geeky. Play a bit of FIFA now and then. Uh, and on career mode, I always try and look up um, the uh, the people they recommend for uh, adding, you know, players to your squad and Hoyland's in that as well. So you never know; they always pick out the good ones. So uh, that might be might be one for the future. But like I said, if it if we do go for Hoyland and no one else, it will be a strategy maybe for a slightly longer term return. Um, 
I mean, what do you think on that, uh, Peter? Uh, yeah, like I think by all accounts, it seems like it's go for Kane. If there's no no dice, move on. I just don't think we can do another saga after De Jong last summer and dealing with Levy in general is just a nightmare. And I think, but I just it's a, it's a real blind in the moment kind of moment for Spurs being like, do you sell your best ever player to United who've been worse than you for most of the last 10 years and just accept that again, you're just a mid table club. But on the other hand, like, like Spurs need a rebuild. I'm like, there's like Kane. I think Kane has to push for that move. If he's going to come like him and his brother need to do the, like he's already tried to leave before. So I don't really buy this whole thing of like, Oh, he's got a big loyalty to Spurs. Like he literally would have gone to Man City. So you need Kane to push United to slump the cash and just really ram it home like he's not going to sign a new contract at any point because Levy might run Spurs, but Enoch and Joe Lewis call the shots. They don't think want to lose out in 100 million quid. Um, but yeah, I just think if we only have Hoyland up top next season, you're running the same risk again that we have this year of a lot of our players are developing. You've got Garnacho, you've got Anthony, you've got Hoyland. Sancho, these guys, like, there's no one there who's a, like, a finished product and will just get you the goals. Like, we need guaranteed goals. Like, City of Haaland and Alvarez. Alvarez starts for us all day long. And Liverpool have, like, multiple forwards, like Salah, and then they have a good few other guys who will contribute. So, yeah. the annoying thing is, like, if even Tony hadn't got the ban, I happily would have been like, let's get Tony and a yeah. younger striker. Uh, I really wanted uh, us to sign him, to be honest. Yeah, he goes the right mentality, and then the only fear is like, like what's going to happen with uh, well, name but number eleven, like what's like we don't know what's going to happen there this summer. Like the club might, then if the Glazers are in charge, they might say, well, we've got this guy here, like we'll just throw him back in. But uh, you'd hope not for for many reasons. He's going to play for us again, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard yeah. to know. Because so so many other clubs need strikers, like Real Madrid, Chelsea, Spurs, if that we came like. Um, Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich, PSG might want to buy someone like this. There's not that many out there, so yeah. And, and I think outside of out. strikers, outside of strikers, just a squad in general. Um, before I go on to that point, uh, GoPal joining us uh, this evening. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, always puts in a few questions. So Patrick is uh, just uh, come in this evening. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. Uh, good evening, gents. Question for you all. If we sign a top striker who creates the chances for him, seems like we've seems our inverted wide men tend to look for opportunities to shoot rather than cross pass slash pass thoughts. Um, I mean, me personally, I think if we do have that out and out striker who scores goals, obviously I think our tactics change, right? And the you know method of training and working together changes. Um, because we have the outlet, um, because we haven't had the outlet, and and you know Rashford isn't uh, out and out striker who's looking for crosses into the box for headers, etc. Um, I think that's why the players on the you know wingers such as you know, see Sancho, um, Anthony, you know, Ganacho, etc look to cut in um, and shoot rather than than cross. Um, I, what about you, guys? What do you think on that? Do you agree? or? Uh, I, I do agree a little bit. Um, also, they've not really had anyone to provide for, so I don't think it's a great uh, comparison. <laughs> um, I think 
there's there's a word that I like to use, and uh, I've I've seen I've seen it knocking around a little bit, and it, it's gravity. So, at the moment, Rashford, he he has a lot of gravity in our team. So if he has the ball, three three men are going to go over to him. Um, yeah, and it, and. and if he loses the ball or the or he he keeps the ball, passes it around, there's no one else who's going to get that ball in space who's going to be a threat. If you've got Kane up front, he's going to draw two players and it's going to make it a lot more open for Rashford and for Anthony and for Bruno. And the more players with that kind of gravity, um, the more open the game's going to be. So I think if we get a top striker, that there's going to be a lot more chances created anyway because there's going to be a lot more open space. Um I think with Ajax and last season, um, Anthony was creating a fair few goals for uh, for Haller because um, he's obviously a, a, a big lad up top um, with a lot of uh, presence. And if you get a ball up there for for a top aerial presence to attack, then it is obviously going to be a lot uh, easier to to get those assists and, and provide those those chances. Um, and then, you know, as I say, if there's two or three men looking at looking at Kane, then Rashford might just have a one-on-one at the back post and you know what he can do in that situation. So um, I think the more top players you've got in those kind of positions, the harder it's going to be to defend and the easier it's going to be for us and our inverted players to create those chances. Yeah. And I know we focused a lot on strikers, but I think, again, Saturday went to show like how our squad needs to be revamped and how much depth we need. Um, and I think what highlighted that was the benches. I mean, I've got a list here. Let's ha- have a look at who they had. They had Ake, Laporte, Foden, uh, Phillips, Alvarez, um, Mares, Edison, Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis. Uh, whilst we had Veghorst, McTominay, Ganacho, Maguire, Malassia, Dallo, Palestri, Butlin, and Alanga. Um, I mean, if you if you look at the two, I'd say about six of those players could have come on and had an impact from a from you know an attacking perspective. Um, whereas we had Veghorst, Ganacho, Palestri, really. Um, I don't think Alanga has a shout right now. Um, no, I, I think know, I think so- most of that bench starts for United. Um, honestly, I think. You know, you've got some top tier players on that bench, and you know, I think, I think you, as you mentioned, you know, they brought on Foden, we bring on Bagost, and mm. as as Peter referenced earlier, actually as well, um, you know, you've got Alvarez who who didn't get off the bench, and he starts for us, you know, every game. He starts for most Premier League teams, and he didn't even get off the bench in that final. So there's a lot, um, a, a lot of difference there. Um, you know, going through depth, and you, know, you mentioned like Ericsson, who's been starting this year, really tailed off. And you know, f- for me, looking at looking at that, he's he's a passenger these days. Um, you know, he's really. I, mean, really... I still think he'll be good to have around. Like he's a good yeah. squad player to have. Yeah, but and for thirty minutes a probably... game, when he can actually give in any sort of intensity, I think after yeah. 35, 40, 50 minutes, his, his legs just go. So. And I think this season, especially, you know, Ten Hag was so kind of insistent on winning a trophy. That's why, you know, we kind of played our fourth team week in, week out. Yeah. That next year, you would hope, like these squad players, you know, like Ericsson, 
um, by developing the squad and adding to the squad, we, we can kind of rotate a little bit more. And that's why it's good to have, you know, these players mm-hmm. around. Because right? he's still a quality player, but he, he's not going to win you the league by, by yeah. starting week in, week out. Um, you've got another question here uh, from Gopal saying, talking of benches, uh, why not buy someone like Mitrovic who can score off the bench and uh, and is a bully uh, in the box? Um, fair point there, but uh, do you think uh, Mitrovic would be uh, United quality or maybe another Igalo? Um, I think... We need, we need to be done with these stopgap signings, just buying lads for a season or two. Did score a lot of goals last year, though. Yeah, he has, pre- has an awful record at Old Trafford. Uh, scrapped a ref, got sent off, got missed a penalty. So I don't. I'm just, and he'd also cost a lot of money because he's Fulham's best player and Fulham don't need to sell him. So they charge us a, like a bit of a fee, a, a big fee for him, I think. So. I just don't think we should be shopping around like mid-table looking for a guy who can just come off the bench and get his goals. I think it should be you buy like an out-and-out out nine and then you buy a young lad for the future who can learn off him. So that would be the, the goal. And then Justin Eriksson. Um, I think Eriksson was bought because at the time we needed so much work done and he was there on a free. He knew, Ten Hag knew that he'd know how to, like he'd know how to play the system and he trained with him for, with Ajax before he went to Brentford. Uh, I think the plan probably always was for Ericsson to kind of move into a squad player role. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a good person to have around. A few like easy home matches against, say, like promoted sides or lower half teams playing. But I agree. Yeah. If Ericsson's playing Champions League, like the knockout game, Champions League away from home, he'll just get overrun. Yeah. And that was, like we touched on before, like you need to marry like physicality with like technical ability at this point. And Ericsson just doesn't have it for. A game against a team like City, so I don't think there's any issue really there. It's just kind of moving with the sides. Yeah, yeah. We got another uh, question from Peter. Uh, he said, "I feel Veghorst at times uh, gets unfairly uh, parodied." In uh, January, the club uh, opted uh, not to buy uh, so many options. Uh, were limited to Ronaldo's departure. Um, Veghorst uh, was meant to be a backup, but Martial's injuries uh, meant he played more than expected. Uh, remember, he helped uh, drag the Netherlands back uh, from 2 0 down um, against the the eventual World Cup winners. Um, I mean, yeah, Veghorst did uh, end up becoming um, a little bit of, uh, you know, little bit of a, a kind of uh, joke uh, figure, I guess, if you put it plainly. Um, I mean, would you guys agree with what Patrick's saying about him? Or, or again, do you think uh, he's just not there to, he wasn't there to cut the mustard? He wasn't the quality we needed? I think it's, uh, yeah, like it's, it's a bit of a middle ground kind of, I don't think anyone has any like issue with Veghorst himself. Like he's put himself about, not his fault that he ended up at the club. And we were in a position where we couldn't sign anyone for money. So there's no issue. Like Beghorst, like fair enough, came in, did a good job for a bit. But I think it's more not Beghorst himself. It's just the idea of Weghorst. Like, how on earth is that guy the United of nine? It's more of like a like a like a a symbol of what the club has become. And even when we had a gallo and these guys, like 
how on earth does that guy start for Man United? Like he didn't score a single league goal for us. So it's just like, yeah, thanks. You did your best, but your best wasn't good enough. And there's no shame in that because it should be playing for uh playing for United, you should be like the top of your game. And he just isn't. Yeah. 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 Obviously, uh seems like he'll be he'll be moving on in the summer. I don't think we'll be getting him back. Um but yeah, I guess in general now, moving on to a few few other points, I think obviously that was a pretty detailed um, analysis of the cup final. I hope everyone who's been listening in uh, kind of uh, enjoyed that. Um, but obviously, yeah, we talked about the squad, um, what we should uh, be doing. I think this is an incredibly important transfer window uh, for Ten Hag to, to kind of be building on uh, on his squad for the future um key kind of uh developments i'd say rumors turning into slightly more sp- solid speculation um from you know kind of more quality sources like uh, sky sports etc saying um obviously a lot of chat around mason mount um saying that uh, personal terms have been agreed uh, and i think on saturday they United formally uh, approached uh, Chelsea in, in regards to starting negotiations um, on a price. Um, I mean, you know, I guess there's there's a few things about Mount. He hasn't played recently um, for Chelsea, but obviously when he was week in, week out, he's a great player. Um, I mean, I, I personally think it should come down to the price. Um, he's got one year left on his contract. So I've heard Chelsea want to command around 80 million for him, which I personally think is not money we should be spending on a player um, of Mount's quality, but also position. You know, that money should be invested in a striker. Um, whilst I think we are aiming around the 50 million mark. Um, I, what do you think Matt, about Mount, uh, Steve? Um, is you one to get in, or, or should we? I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's um, the, the, the more I think about it, the the more uh, excited I, I get about it. The more the more interested I am. Um, he's young enough to be to be molded. Um, he's obviously shown that he's a good player. Um, you know, he's played at the top level for Chelsea um, and also also for England. And he's he's never really let people down for England. He's always produced kind of solid performances. Um, in that roaming number eight spot, he's obviously got a lot more dynamism than than a lot of the players that we've got now. I'd probably put him maybe alongside McTominay as, as the most athletic players that, that we have. Um, obviously, I know Bruno runs about a bit, but he's he doesn't, he's not massively quick he's not massively powerful um obviously you've got you've got fred who's who's pretty nimble but weak um ericsson who who doesn't really run um and i think mount really would uh would would fit in um one other player for, for that position that that has been rumored quite a lot uh who i would also go for is is rabio um fits the mold fits yeah. the athletic mold there was pretty strong talk for a little while, but that's cooled off a little bit. Cooled now, down right? a little bit, but but now the the Italian season has just finished as well last weekend, so uh, there's no more games there. So I think things, if if they are going to ramp up, will ramp up. His his contract's due to to run out, so 
he's gonna he's gonna go somewhere new. So yeah. I think if you've got a, a couple of options, um, you know, Tielemans as well, uh, who yeah. I, I think I think would fit more in the Ericsson kind of mold. You know, not massively uh, physical or, or or much of a runner, but I think uh, Mount and, and Rabio. Um, one thing that I do really like about Mount though, um, he I think he seems to you know like to pick the ball up quite deep and put a few crosses in, um, yeah. which. You know, referencing um, you know one of the questions earlier, it's it's creating chances. Um, you know, I think Pat, Patrick mentioned who's gonna who's gonna create those chances, and we we have created a lot this season from midfield. Obviously, Bruno's you know made what, 119 chances, I think, in in the in the Premier League, and I think 31 big chances with eight assists. So, um, and I think Ericsson at one point was the assist leader in the Premier League. So. There's, there's clearly uh, chances being created from midfield, and I think Mount, as well as the creativity that he that he'll bring, he will bring a lot of uh, a lot of energy as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what about you, Peter? Uh, Mount uh, Mountain or, or no? Hundred oh, percent Mountain. I think he's a signing. He like the way everyone talks to Mason Mount. He isn't like the most glamorous player. He's quite like he does his business in quite an efficient manner and he doesn't like make that many headlines uh but there's a reason like look every single coach who's ever had him has, has loved him like two shall made him a key part of champions league winning team clock wants him at liverpool i think anyone arsenal links i think any other top team league would happily have made in their team and like i said he's not really flashy or anything but he's one of those signings like it's not gonna you know like it's not gonna break any twitter retweets or anything like that but it'll be like a sign we really need and i think just for that kind of example, like if United were being linked with James Madison now, the way people, Twitter fans and people obsessed with transfers and this and that, would be acting like, oh, what a brilliant sign if we get James Madison. But Mason Mount's a far better player than him. He'll fit in much quicker. I think he'd be a seamless fit as well. Uh, obviously, played like plays in the Prem. Um, only 24, bundles of energy, scores goals, assists. He's very good at, like, he's a really good presser as well. And he's also good at passing out of the press. So I think it's pretty obvious that he's been earmarked by Ten Hag. Like, I know exactly what I'm going to do with this guy. And I think he'll fit in perfectly. And just on Rabio, uh, I think on the complete opposite uh, on Mount than on Rabio and with yourself, Steve, I think the, like last summer proved like Rabio's mum stopped him coming to United. It was the best thing that happened to us because then, then we get Casemiro. And I think Rabio has just had so many issues with either his family or with other clubs, uh, at clubs with players, with coaches, with staff, that we just don't need someone like that in the squad. And we have quite a like a good group of players who like they seem to have a good attitude. I think Bayern Rabio is kind of going back to the Pogba days of kind of having a malcontent in the squad who's going to kick up a fuss if he's not starting. And I think as well, like we I mind is would be a very good sign, but the other midfielder we need is a like a, a an alternative slash backup to Casemiro, so yeah. we're into the exact same issues if we don't. If you say we bought a Rabio and a Mount, like who's playing when Casemiro breaks someone's leg or needs a rest, and he will need rest going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd still just go back to Latvia at Southampton. You get him for thirty million probably on a but like they've been relegated, be no problem buying him. Wages won't be big, uh, so I'd hope Ten Hag. I just, like, it, I think it's quite like Ten Hag always talks sense and he seems to see things like we see them. 
Uh, it's quite obvious what we need. Like every game we've lost this season, anytime we've been in bad form, it's always been the same issues. So, yeah, I think Mountain a defensive mid, and we'd be absolutely fine in the field then. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, guys. My for some reason my per- my screen's gone purple. Um, it's not your end; it's mine. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but we'll have to soldier through. This is not my normal colour. It's your first joining <laughs> in for the first time. Um, anyway, uh, another area which um, you know we're we're looking to obviously strengthen on, and a player we're linked with. Is um, is King Kinmin Jay from uh, from Napoli? Um, again, really strong links with us uh, getting him in. Um, I think particularly because he's got a uh, release clause in his contract for around um, forty five million, if I'm correct. But that release clause is only valid, I think, until the end of. June? Or... I think it's the first two weeks of July. I think it's the first yeah. to the fifteenth of July. Yeah. I think so. It's a really tight time frame to get him for that price, and obviously, you know, he he had a great season. He's you know really come up in regards to um, you know people giving him credit for for Napoli's um, you know, league win. So if we miss that deadline, you know, guaranteed his price is going to go up and. And I think Napoli themselves are desperately trying to give him a new contract as well and getting him to stay on. Um, but a, a lot of outlets, um, slightly more, not, not you know, Fabrizio uh, or Sky Sports, but there are a couple others out there um, who, are more, who are slightly more reliable than the, the norm, let's say, um, are saying that United are in touch, trying to, you know, Get, well, I guess they, they don't need to negotiate, right? They just need to hit the release clause and um, and then they'll be able to get in touch with, with the player. Um, I personally think, again, being completely honest, don't watch the Italian league, not seen too much of him, um, but he is meant to be a great player. And he, you know, from what I've heard, he, he would be a great addition to the squad and that's what a place we we definitely need to um, invest in, um, which we've seen um, with Martinez uh, being injured. You know, we need we need to obviously improve in that area. Um, I mean, do you, you guys, what, what do you think about him? Do you think he would be a good addition, or again, should we be looking elsewhere? Um, we'll start with Steve. Yeah, um, I think everyone. And, the, and their dog know that Maguire's probably going to leave uh, at the end of the season. And I think if we can get around £35 million for him and then bring in Kim with a £42 million release clause, that's, you know, it's a £7 million outlay, essentially. Um, not too sure about wages. Or, or it might even be £17 million outlay if you if you believe the uh, the rumours that we're going to pay him £10 million to leave. Um, who, who knows? But I've, I've seen that. I've seen those rumours, but... Yeah, um, he's a he's a championship winning uh, winning centre back. He's just won Serie A, and um, and it'd be kind of foolish to to not look at at least look at getting someone like that, especially if they have a release clause. So yeah, big uh, big thumbs up from me. Yeah, and I mean, champions winning, you know, league winning player centre back, big strong. He's going to be pretty quick as well 
for £45 million, um, half the price of Maguire a few years ago, seems like an absolute bargain. No, Peter? Uh, like you said, Harry, I can't say I've watched much of him, but he's got rave reviews from uh, everyone who does cover Serie A, so you can only take that as much as you, like, that's all you can really take. Uh, and we definitely do need cover, like I'm saying with Casemiro, like Varane is not able to play 40, 50 games a season. We do need, like, yeah, we can give Varane a week or two rest. We can rotate. Like, you look at City at the weekend, like you touched on Steve, they've got five centre-backs that are all top-notch. And they all can play. And they've got Kyle Walker who can play centre-back as well. So you need that depth. And uh, again, like Lindelof, again, we shown at the weekend, like, yeah, like, he can be good at times, but he will let you down eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, would, don't know, like, the internet's fully of the, the release clause. You'd hope that if that's the case, we just get the deal done because... If you can remember back 10 years ago, Moyes, summer of Moyes, when we uh, bid for Fellaini and Baines, when Fellaini had a bio clause, and then we end up paying, the bio clause expired, and we end up paying like 10 million more for him than we could have got originally. So you'd yeah. hope, get the deals done early. If you want some, we get them. And yeah, like maybe part of song can have a word with him. Like, you have a good record with our South Koreans in the past. So yeah. maybe can have a word with him. Uh, but yeah, I just think. It's pretty obvious what we need a centre back, a new keeper, uh, two midfielders on the forward or two. And that's a lot to ask for. But uh, yeah, if we can get anyone on a somewhat reasonable deal, I think we just go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, was just going to say as well, thanks everyone that's joined in today. Uh, really, really great questions. Um, Chirag just joined us and totally agree um, with me. It might be a little while ago. I've said a lot today, so <laughs> thanks for the comment. But don't know where you 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 agreed, what point you agreed with. Um, just want to say um, our handles are on the page, um, so please uh, do give us a follow on Twitter uh, individually. Um, Steve's is s copying one one seven, and Peter's p Fitzpatrick twenty three, and mine is uh, fan owned United. Um, yeah, we we've gone over a little bit um so i think we'll wrap things up but really enjoyed today gents i think you know covered a lot um really good kind of opinions comments um just before we finish just from all of us um just wanted to to say thank you to uh, footballing legend latan ibrahimovic um who retired from uh, from world football over the weekend um, gave us a couple of great years uh, and obviously scored in the Carabao Cup final uh, for us. He got a brace um, and we won that trophy. So uh, from all of us uh, on the Wonderlot pod, uh, thank you Zlatan, um, not only for gracing us with world football, but uh, playing for United and, and being a bit of a legend. Um, but yeah, that, that's all from us this week. Uh, we'll be continuing throughout the summer, even though the, the season obviously is, is finished. Um, please, yeah, every week we are going to be covering some some really interesting uh, uh, content. Um, you know, basically join us for, for all different kind of conversations about um, the season review, but, but other little fun things. We've got lots, uh, lots planned. Um, before we go, uh, Jay's just got one last question He's, or statement. He said, uh, we need to make a statement of intent 
and bring in at least uh, one big name signing this summer, even if it's uh, for two, three seasons. It's taken so long to get back ahead of the Scousers, uh, we can't fall back again. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, I think we'll all agree with that. I mean, it's 10 years now since we've won the Premier League. Um, we've won a cup competition. Like I said before, I think Ten Hag was uh, pretty much intent to stamp his authority um, to show we can win something. We've done that now. I think the Cups kind of need to move to the side, the domestic Cups, FA Cup and and Carabao. You know, I don't mind not competing for those 100%. Um, we're back in the Champions League now. Uh, and I think our, our full focus um, should be on, you know, competing for the league uh, and Champions League. Uh, I'm sure you guys um, agree. Um, but yeah, please, everyone who joined us this week, thank you again so much. Really enjoyed the questions. Uh, we'll be back uh, same time uh, next week, seven o'clock. Um, so jo join us again um, then. Take care. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.